Hello, this is Erin Weir. The journey to being a successful creative entrepreneur is filled with challenges, hard work, and occasional high points. You have the opportunity to minimize the challenges and hard work by learning from experts, mentors, and leaders that have traveled the same road before you. The Creative Genius Podcast celebrates you and your hard work and helps you shortcut the path to profit and renewed passion. Enjoy this episode with my co-host, Gail Dobie of Gail Dobie Coaching and Consulting. Welcome. We're so excited to be launching the fourth season of the Creative Genius Podcast. Thank you for joining us. You know, hiring an employee is a big step for any business, but a necessary one if you want your business to grow. And when done properly, adding to your team can be a game changer for you and the employee. In this podcast, Gail and I discuss the benefits of hiring, when to hire, and preparing to hire. Having recently gone through several new hires, we share our insights on how to best determine what kind of employee you need and how to ensure you select someone who's a good fit for your business. I'm excited that we're starting uh, season four today, and here we are mid-year, and we're going to talk a little bit about hiring today and some of the benefits around um, why you would want to build your team, um, how you can prepare to hire, what you really need to have in place, and how you know when you're ready um, to hire in your business. So I know that we've gone through um, some some new hires lately, not gone through, but um, meaning we've gone through the process of new hires lately. And it is a really exciting time for the business. So let's go ahead and just start off with how you know when you're ready to hire and some of those benefits that you really need to think about. Well, I think you and I can go back to last fall when we were feeling overwhelmed. We both had so much to do and we couldn't do it all. And one of the things that happens as you're growing your team, and we've got a fairly good sized team now is that you realize that you can't do all the things you have on your plate right now. And in fact, you're probably working somewhere over 40 to 50 hours a week, which we both were. And it it was clear that we needed some help because we couldn't expand. We couldn't do the additional things that we had on our agenda and our plan without having other people that could take things off of our plate. So I think that's one of the first things that I noticed was that you and I were just at the point we couldn't even talk. We were so busy. Yeah. And, you know, it's to me, it was kind of a scary thing because for the longest time, I kind of call it the Gail and Aaron rodeo with an LOL around that, because (laughs) for the longest time, it was just Gail and I like we were doing so many things and we loved working together. We knew we could take our ideas and make them happen. And, you know, over time, we started building the team a little bit. But even when um, last fall rolled around and Gil was like, we're going to need to start hiring, it was a scary thing for me. And it was not necessarily scary because I was afraid of having new people come on. I just didn't necessarily know what that meant for what I was going to need to be prepared to be able to train, um, how we were going to hand things off. Because I think when you get in your business and you're so busy doing all the things, it's hard to just take a minute to pause and go, oh, right, I could hand this off. And this person's actually going to do this better than I can do it, right? 
Yes. And I would say that for you, I know that was one of the hardest things because you, <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you were a little bit resistant because there were some things that you like to do that I said, uh, those need to be on somebody else's plate. And I remember having several conversations with you where you said, but I really like doing that. I yeah. said, I know, but you're going to like other things too. My grip was pretty hard, but Gail just kept pulling until she finally got them out of my hands. <laughs> yeah, I think you're finding that you like the new things that you're doing. So to me, it's one of those things we've, we've talked about it because there are those moments. I think we all have those moments where we have a lot of team and we're thinking, oh my God, it's, it's so much work because we have a lot of responsibility when you have a lot of different mouths you're feeding. Mm -hmm. And so then you start thinking, well, gosh, should we go back and should we scale it back? And we both looked at each other. I remember we had lunch a few weeks ago and we said, nope, not going back. (laughs) Because there's things that we no longer do that we don't want to do or we're not good at doing. And I was like, Gail, like, that's not going to work because there's certainly things that once they're off my plate, I don't want to go back to them. And I think that you brought up a good point, you know, like just having a team and thinking about those as like the families that you're supporting. And it can be really scary to think about taking on a salary, Um, especially in a design business, right? Where you're thinking about the time it's going to take to train somebody. um, And then also the cost and the amount of jobs that you're going to have to bring in to be able to fulfill on that salary. But um, I'm going to let Gail share with you what she likes to share with everybody here on the reasons to hire is that when you have a team, it's actually going to bring in more revenue for your business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And even in our case where we're not billing for our people's time, you can't produce the amount of work if you don't have the people to fulfill on it. So one thing that you'll find is as you're growing your business, you shouldn't be fulfilling on the details because the details are not what pay you. And so for you as a designer, if you're billing, let's just say $150 to $250 an hour, which is fairly common for the billing, if you're doing an activity such as scheduling or accounting and you can pay somebody $20 to $40 an hour, huh? think about that math, $150 to $200 minus $40. That's what you're losing and leaving on the table if you're doing work that is not your best use of time. So to me, it's all about just being really clear on what is the best use of your time and getting out of the roles or tasks or seats that are not supporting the long-term growth of the business. So That's number one is grow your business. And of course, number two is if you want to work less, Mm -hmm. which I can honestly say that has happened for me is uh, especially this year, I have worked less than I have in past years. I still work a lot, but I do have days where I'm done at 3.30 or 4 o'clock. And I think, yeah, I could work a little bit more, but I did all the things I said I was going to do today. So I'm done. (laughs) And uh, that was not the case last year. The other thing is just not having to do things that you don't want to do. So how many of those things do you and I both have, Erin, that we don't want to do anymore? (laughs) I actually said that to Jen the other day. She's like, well, if you could really do it this way, it'd be great. And I go, I'll do it for you, but it's not really something that I'm wanting to do for you. But I'll do it because it's for you just this moment. But yeah, I mean, when you start identifying the things that you really love and you don't even realize that you're doing, and then there's those things that are always falling to the bottom of the list. And there's a reason why you're resisting doing those or taking the time to really Mm -hmm. 
um, expand and get, and get those things done. So just as far as thinking about the business, I know it was really eye-opening for us. And for us, when we were looking at the different areas of the business that we were kind of in charge of, right? Um, so, you know, I was manning marketing and Gail was, was over in sales, but then Gail was also in operations and, and just looking at all the different places that we were. And that's just to name a few, a few of the seats that we were in and to really look at what would it do for our business if we were in the seats that our God-given talents were 100% dedicated to, what kind of business could we grow? What kind of business could we create? What kind of culture could we create for our employees? And that was very eye-opening. And even, even putting it in the other direction of these seats that we're in, if we had somebody in the sales seat that was dedicated 100% of the time, and Gail could be in her visionary seat 100% of the time, what would that do for our business? There would be a focus there that Gail and I could not achieve on our own. Yeah. And I think too, that as I've looked at the plan for the business and where we want to go in the next several years, we've got a big plan. We have a huge vision. And it's something that in order to do that, we must let go of many tasks that we're currently doing. So as a listener, I would tell you to write down what are the tasks that you're doing every day? And look at those and decide, do I like to do them? Am I the best person to be doing that? Is there somebody else on the team that could do that? Can I outsource this? Do I need to hire a person to do this? Is it part-time? Is it full-time? And give yourself a, a little bit of time to think it through. But I'm pretty sure that most of us have many things that we should not be doing. And um, as we look at that list and you see that you have at least five things on that list, you probably need to hire. So those are some good indicators of it's time. Let's talk a few minutes about preparing to hire because this is kind of a, an art form in itself. And I would tell you that I was a terrible hirer the first time around <laughs> in my design business. And then she found me and she didn't have to <laughs> then I found Erin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, actually, that was a really good thing. But I did learn a lot from when you hire good people, you learn a lot from that. When you have bad people, you learn a lot from that. But I would like to learn a little bit more of the good stuff. So for me, I was thinking, how do I get better at this? Because we do not, we're not born out of the womb ready to hire people. That's, <laughs> we're not trained for that. Right. So um, as I said, I made lots of mistakes in my first business. So this one, luckily, I think we've done pretty well. We've had some moments. We've had a few people that didn't fit. And you have to move on quickly. And the whole idea is, Hire slowly, uh, fire fast. And if you have problem areas, and I've had some moments where it was hard to give up on certain people because I just, I would see their positivity and all their things that they had going for them and I would keep them too long. You have to make some really tough decisions sometimes. So this is not for the faint of heart, running a business and hiring. Well, and I think a lot of times when people get ready to hire, they tend to want to, we tend to want to hire people that are like us, right? That have the same interests or that are really good at the same things. And that's not necessarily who you need to be hiring. So it is so important that you take an inventory of what you're doing. If you don't have a job description, even if you're the owner and CEO of your business, you need to make sure that you have one. 
so that you can really look and see what you need to be doing in the job that you're fulfilling. And then be writing down those things that you're doing that you know are outside of the scope of work. And I think the other thing is, is, is really making sure that you are trying to stay organized in where those, um, where those tasks fall that you're doing that you need to, to hand off to somebody else. And I think that was a game changer for Gail and I, where we could just have a clump of tasks that we're trying to get off of our plates all the time. But when we started really working on our business and realizing the depth of the business that we wanted to build. And, you know, every business has different departments. You might be in all of those departments right now, but there's always sales. There's always marketing. There's HR, there's operations, there's design. Our business has technology. And so really looking at where those tasks fall within the departments and who within those departments do you need to hire or have somebody that you can outsource to. And that for me, um, just organized and how my mind worked really helped me better execute getting things off of my plate because I knew the type of activity it was going towards and who on my team needed to be taking that off. So it was no longer this just Aaron gets an assistant, Gail gets an assistant, and then it's just an extension of the rodeo. That's no longer what we were doing. We were really trying to be organized in how we were delegating those tasks and who we were hiring to get those tasks done. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting too, because neither of us has an assistant right now, but we have a lot of helpers (laughs) and we have people who are executing certain parts of the tasks that we used to do and they help finish things for us. And that's an important role, I think, in a company, because as we continue to grow, we cannot be the finishers. We don't have the time to do that. So that's really important. And also, as you, you mentioned, you have to have a job description for everybody. So that's mm-hmm. a requirement that everybody should have a job description. And you need to have that prior to starting the hiring process. And of course, you need to create a great ad for hiring. And you need to have a process. And you need to have materials so that you know exactly what questions you're going to ask. If you have multiple people on the team, who's going to ask the questions? Mm -hmm. And then how are you going to decide? Is that person a really good fit for your team? So, Well, and I think too, it's even a deeper conversation of not just identifying who you want to hire, what tasks you want to get off your plate, but also how how is your company represented to these prospects that Mm -hmm. could possibly be on your team? How are you portraying your culture? How are you showing up? in these job ads and in this job description, because just as hard as we work for our design clients and making sure that we have the right presentations and the right meetings and the right onboardings, our team is just as good of a client as our best clients, right? We've got to treat your team like your best client. So when you're really putting it out there, it's just like finding a, a life partner, right? You're putting it out there and you've got negotiables, you've got non-negotiables and there's a job description and you really need to be specific in what you're looking for and make sure that you're showing up the way that you're going to show up on a daily basis in what you're putting out in your ad, what you're putting out in your job description so that people really are understanding the type of culture that you've created and the type of uh, workflow and, and job scenario that they're walking into. Yeah. And it's true. And I think too, as you're, as you get more experience with hiring people, you're going to make some mistakes. I think the the key is to watch for what they don't say as much as what they do say, because there are some really big hints that people give you when they go through the interview process. Some people are really great at interviewing and they're not so great when they come 
to work for you because they were putting their best foot forward. So you have to look for not always believing everything they say, but test, have some hope that they're going to be pretty much what they say, but also test to make sure that that's the case. Yeah, I think it was season three in the podcast. We were interviewing Marty Fonke and he was sharing um, how he likes to get to know people. He likes to do adventures. He's already a really adventurous guy and he likes to take people and do outdoor activities. And he uses that as part of his um, hiring process because he wants to see how they react when things don't go right. And if we're outside, we're having an activity, you know, you might get hit by that wave or, you know, you might fall down going hiking up the hill, whatever that is. How do you handle that in front of people? How do you handle yourself? And just really putting people in those scenarios where you're getting to see them have to work through the hard stuff. And it's just not pretty answers to pretty questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and to me, it's it's really about having this nice synergy of people where mm-hmm. you've got personalities that fit together. We have some people on our team that are extremely funny. And very funny people. <laughs> you missed the happy hour last night, the virtual happy hour, but yes, very funny people. <laughs> yes. And they have they have this great sense of humor and that helps to make work a lot more fun. And uh, we have to remember to have some fun in the process of doing what we do because we all work really hard. So yeah. So anyway, just this is a little bit about kind of that back-end thinking process. And I had somebody ask me recently, well, where do you find all your great people? I said, hmm, it's really interesting. All I do is I make a decision. I need to hire somebody. I create a job description. And seriously, as soon as I do that, those people just show up. I don't know well, why. Well, you really do have a knack for it. I mean, you do. I think the universe is definitely like just speaking to what you're putting out there. But also, I think that just who you are as a person, Gail, you attract really great people in conversation. You might have a great conversation in a restaurant with a server. You might have a great conversation with someone in an airport. I know we have a couple of those hires from airport conversations that Gail has <laughs> right. had. Um, so, you know, I do think that you have a gift, um, as far as just connecting with people, which is also helpful, but yes, it's like when you write it down and you put it out there that this is what your business needs, it certainly does come to fruition more quickly, uh, because you are, you know what you need, you know, who that next hire is. Is it that your next senior designer? Ooh, let's talk about that for a minute. When designers are wanting to hire, should they, who should they be hiring First, the most likely thought that people have in their head is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire an intern or I'm going to hire a junior designer because I'm thinking that I'm going to spend less money having someone straight out of school or someone that um, maybe has a little less experience and they're not going to be as expensive for my business so I can get started and get some help. I have a feeling, Gail, that's not the right answer. <laughs> it's not the right answer. That is what we call a false economy. And what happens is the owner or other people on the team spend tremendous amount of their time training an intern. And it can take a one to three years, typically more like closer to two to three, to train somebody from being an intern to being a great employee. Now, there are exceptions to the rule. I have clients who are in small communities and they don't have access to a larger city and a larger pool of talent. So in those cases, they may have to train somebody. But what you want to do is try to find the most experienced person you can hire because it's less expensive in the long run internally for you. 
as an owner of the business because your time is going to be spent bringing people on board, which also brings up another important point, which is that bringing more than one person on your team at the same time is not a good idea. And a lot of people are in a big hiring uh, surge right now because we've had, we're just coming out of COVID and a lot of people are getting snapped up. So they're taking people when they can get them and they are bringing on two and three people at a time. Well, guess what happens? All of a sudden, you as the owner, you don't have time to bill. Number two, you've got to train two to three new people who are going to need a lot of your attention. Are you really doing a great job for each of them in training them and bringing them onto the team and onboarding and ensuring that they're going to give great service to your clients if you're doing two or three at the same time? It's kind of like taking on two or three jobs at the same time. Not a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, and it can it can take the level of stress that you're already feeling knowing that you need to hire and just, you know, 10 times that amount of stress, because then you have even more training and everybody has to get trained and onboarded. But the extent of handholding that has to happen um, is far more than if you were to just hire a great senior designer out of the gate that has experience and can start taking on jobs, managing jobs, and you can be paying for their time. Yeah. And I'm paying for their time and paying for their time. (laughs) Right. And so I've had several clients that have were a little bit nervous about doing that. And they they will confirm that that was one of the best things they ever did was hire seniors. So anyway, you start there and it's a, a good place to begin and you fill in the team later. But I think the real issue, too, is that you as an owner are very likely to feel like I can do it better. I can do it faster. It's easier for me to just do this. And if you're saying that to yourself. Such an easy mindset to be in, right? It's the wrong mindset Mm -hmm. because you will never train your other people. That will lead you to micromanaging and that doesn't work. And so you have to be really honest with yourself that you must let go and you must let people make mistakes because that's just part of learning. Yeah. So as we prepare to hire, we need to be thinking through some things too, right? Like we need to be thinking about um, what all goes into an offer letter. It'd be great to have a template of an offer letter ready to go so that you can um, craft it for the offer and make sure that it is as up to date as possible. Um, Just as we expect people to give us great resumes of how they look on paper, we also have to show up the same way. We talk a lot about this where any piece of paper, note, message, um, anything that comes out of the business is a representation of your brand and your culture. So you sending an out-of-date offer letter, probably not the representation that you want to have for your business and your brand and your culture. So really looking through um, your offer letter and how are you paying people? Are you paying them every two weeks? Are you paying them twice a month? Are you paying them once a month? Um, What's your vacation policy? How much time are you going to give them for vacation time? What holidays are your offices closed? Um, Really thinking about PTO um, and really checking and making sure. Let's talk about PTO. Yeah, we should talk about PTO and making sure that you are aware of what the state recommendations and requirements are. Yeah. And PTO, by the way, is paid time off. So (laughs) we want to watch the acronyms so that we make sure we define them. And uh, so the paid time off can be any number of things. So, for example, in the state of Colorado, where we live, we are required to give five sick days. And in some states, it might be two or three. 
And you can also lump together all the days off and let people choose when they're going to take time off. For us, we always close over Christmas and New Year's. And uh, that's an annual closing for the whole company, which is great because we all get a break and we come back refreshed. So how are you going to do that? And then um, what is your policy? And one thing I see owners doing occasionally is that they feel awkward or uncomfortable that they're taking more time off than their employees. Well, guess what? You're taking the risk of running this business and you've worked for this business for a long, long time. So you deserve time off. Mm -hmm. And for example, this year I'm taking... I think I've got seven weeks scheduled and five of those will be at the end of the year. I'm taking a sabbatical and this will be my first sabbatical. I'm very excited about it. I think you have to think about that, and but also just not feel bad that you're taking more time off. You've worked hard to build your business. You deserve to take a break. Yeah. And just also understanding that just because you're taking it off doesn't mean like I'm not expecting a five-week sabbatical. I can't imagine taking a five-week sabbatical right now, but it absolutely is something that we're planning for, for Gail. So, and putting everything in place for that to happen. Um, so just realizing that like, as the owner of the business, what you're doing and the expectations that you're setting around vacation policies for your team, they do not have to be the same. You do want to continue to encourage your team to take time off, to get refreshed, to take breaks. We're constantly talking to our team about that. We have a team that doesn't take a lot of breaks. Just That's just how they're wired. And we're constantly saying, hey guys, summer's upon us. Like who's headed out of town? Like, where are you going? Like really encouraging them to take a break. And really as owners being able to share, like we have to take breaks too. We want everybody to be fresh. We don't want you to feel overworked or, you know, down in the drain about a project that you're working on. Like take a break. It's fine. Everybody deserves them. So I think that when it comes to the time that you're taking off, just showing the representation of like, I deserve breaks too. Like I've got to take a break, get rejuvenated, get my creativity back. Um, And usually what happens when Gail takes breaks, which I'm not sure it's going to happen on this five-week sabbatical, but usually what happens is Gail reads a lot of books. And so she'll come back with like really exciting stories or ideas that she's come back with on the different books that she's read. She'll read five, six, seven, eight books in a week. Um, And so our team just knows that when she comes back from her breaks, we're going to get some new ideas from her. She's going to be really excited about them. And there's also going to probably be a few books that she's going to want us to pick up and read for the the next part of the year. But, you know, having that offer letter and really thinking through your policies um, around hiring someone. um, I know that we could also, I guess, talk a little bit about an employee manual and an employee manual doesn't have to be a hardcore thing. It doesn't have to be this like thick book that's printed and, you know, has this great cover. It can be as simple as a Google document that you're consistently adding to, um, that you're learning from as you go through situations with team members or with clients that you're learning from and you're adding to. But there's definitely some certain sections that you'll want to start putting together. And even if this is your first hire and you're preparing for it, just putting these thoughts down, taking a weekend or taking Uh, you know, a couple days to really think through these different sections of your business. So as you look at putting together an um, employee manual or even improving one that you might already have, the fact of the matter is just having something you can go back to and improve upon, I think is the biggest key there. Um, So really talking about your company information, your relationship management, how you manage relationships, 
making sure that people are aware that those relationships with your vendors and your clients are golden. Talking about your um, your company team and you know what is the plan in case of an emergency. Um, we have some clients that are you know in the Florida area. They have to have a hurricane uh, readiness policy. They have to be ready to. This is what our office is going to do. Um, in case a storm hits, and this is what you need to know. Um, talking through the compensation and benefits, um, how you represent the company. So this is a great place to talk about um, how we are showing up in what we wear, the etiquette in social media and on the telephone and an email, drug and alcohol policy, all the things you kind of like get a little like itchy about like, oh, I don't want to have to talk about that with somebody, put it in the manual. Then you won't have to talk about it as much because then you already have a policy and you've already thought about it and you've already shared it with your employees. Um, and then also just technology, um, what your systems and processes are around that, your social media policy, obviously that's a big one. Um, and understanding the types of softwares that they're going to need to understand to help run your business. So, and then this is also an opportunity too to have like a non-disclosure or non-compete um, policy that you can have your employees sign off on. Um, I'll add one comment about that because uh, your attorney will tell you that it's really hard to enforce a non-compete, but um, also I think it's important to at least have it, but it is going to be very difficult. So Anyway, we can't cover all of hiring today, needless to say. We have a lot of things about that. But the other thing I would say, and probably the, the final thing that would be a really good summary of um, just thinking through the whole plan is that you do need to have an onboarding plan. You need to have a training plan for people, especially in those first couple of weeks, because that's when you establish the relationship with that employee. And if you don't do it right on the front end, you're going to have a headache on the back end, and you might lose people very quickly. So it's really important to have that figured out and have a checklist that other people can follow to assist you with bringing people on the team. So those are things that just at a very high level, at least if you're thinking ahead, this sounds a little bit overwhelming. As I'm thinking back about what mm -hmm. we've talked about, we've really covered a lot of ground today. But the reality is that hiring Yes, it's a little scary at first, but you can't imagine how much of a great feeling it is to watch your people grow and to see them contributing at a very high level. And just the feeling that you have of watching people find out what their potential is, is a very exciting role for an owner of the business. So I love that part. I love that part too. And uh, one other thing that I just wanted to share is making sure that you go ahead and set up a 90 day review. I think that's a really important time period when you've hired someone um, that gives you a chance to give them some feedback, to let them know what's coming next, what they're going to learn next. It also gives them a chance to give you some feedback. We're always asking our team members about what was confusing to you when you first got brought on or what could we improve? Just like we're asking our clients, you know, how can we improve a program or how can we get, improve an experience? We're always asking our team members that too. So we can add that to the details we've talked about today and make it even easier and better for our next hire. Well, since you like to ask this question, I'm going to turn it back to you, Erin. What do you think are three key points that our listeners should be taking with them today? Okay. Ooh, I love this. Um, I think that the number one thing is to really think about the business that you've created and the business that you want to grow. Really think about the vision of your business and be open to hiring. 
be open to hiring and realize that it's going to help you grow your business. It's going to help you work less and it's going to help you start doing the things that you don't want to do or you shouldn't be doing. Number two, I think just preparing to hire. So what are the things in your artillery that you're going to need to at least put some thoughts on paper on? Um, So one would be uh, creating a job description. Um, Another would be thinking about the interview process and what type of questions you really need to understand from someone uh, before they get hired um, and making sure that they're a culture fit for you. And then having an offer letter so that you are ready to go as soon as you've decided that you want to hire someone that you can get that offer letter out, get them signed up and they're starting work. And then the plan, the, what the training plan is, what the onboarding plan is, who on your team's handling that. We've done a lot of things with what we call transition plans because we have people transitioning from a role to maybe a manager role. Um, And so what does that look like? And it doesn't have to be all at once, but it could be a plan where, you know, in three months, you're going to learn this and start taking this off of my plate. In six months, you're going to learn this and start taking this off of my plate. Um, So just having a plan for that onboarding and transition. Those are the top three, I would say, from this conversation, Gail. Great job, Erin. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. And hopefully you learned a little bit about hiring. And uh, we look forward to seeing your comments and certainly reach out to us if you have any questions. We are delighted also always to be able to provide some value and teach you a little bit about how to run your business better. So thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, guys. You'll find additional information on how to build a strong team based on your values and culture, the hiring process and employee policies and procedures, and why teamwork is the ultimate shortcut. In Gail's new book, Business Breakthrough, Your Creative Value Blueprint to Get Paid What You're Worth. This book's available as a Kindle book or in print from Amazon.com. And be sure to join us next week to hear from the adventurous marketer himself, Marty Funky as we discuss how there is more than one way to grow your business. We'll see you soon.